So how strong is your faith? I was kind of curious about how to measure that. So I went to the internet. You know, you can find anything on the internet. So I went and I searched for, and I found a quiz. You could take a quiz, type in some, you select some multiple choice answers, and it tells you how strong is your faith. So instead of doing the quiz for all of you and making you take <laughs> the quiz, I'll just read you some of the questions and you can think about uh, how you'd answer. So the first question was, do you find yourself worrying a lot? Ooh, uh-oh. And the next question, how often do you attend services? I answered that one really well. <laughs> then it asked, which of the 12 disciples do you find most interesting? Now, it only gave you four choices, so it had needed to be one of those four. And I'll give you a hint. One of the four was Judas, and if you selected Judas, that was a bad answer. <laughs> then, apparently, the quiz kind of gives up because the next question was just, well, how devout do you say you are? <laughs> and then it said 70%, 80%, 90, 100. It asked, how often do you lose your temper? I thought, well, I better not take this quiz in front of my kids. <laughs> then then it, it asked, I'm not even totally sure, it says, could you survive 40 days in a whale's stomach? <laughs> Which I, I don't know if it's a trick question or maybe they didn't read the, the Bible very closely. <laughs> then it, it says, which mythical creature is most fascinating? I'll give you the four choices. They were dragon, Unicorn, Seder, or Leviathan? And depending on how you answer, it apparently tells you how much faith you have. Then I'll just share one last question. I think it was the last question. It said, do you think your coworkers find you helpful? I'd, I'm not even sure. So, but I will tell you, I took the quiz and I came out with the lowest possible score, which was wavering. <laughs> How strong is your faith? Wavering. <laughs> and I thought this quiz must have been for the disciples in today's gospel, because they asked Jesus, the way that, that this section begins, they say, Lord, increase our faith. It was almost as if they took this quiz and they didn't like the score that they got. Maybe they got wavering and they wanted to increase their score. And so they asked Jesus, increase our faith. We came out as C minus disciples. We want to be A plus disciples. Now I could kind of make fun of the disciples for chasing after this and I kind of have already. But the truth is that their anxiety about wanting to increase their score or do better, I understand it. I mean, this gospel is taking place. Now we're getting towards the end of the gospel of Luke. Jesus is making his way more and more determinedly towards Jerusalem, more and more seriously towards the crucifixion that he knows 
will happen there. And he's telling the disciples what it means to follow him. And I'll tell you, it's not easy. What he's asking of the disciples is difficult. Following Jesus can be difficult. They're putting their lives at stake with things that are sometimes very hard to understand. So I can get why they would be asking Jesus, increase our faith. What they're doing, really, though, is falling into the same temptation that humans have been falling into since the beginning, since the Garden of Eden. This is the temptation that when it comes to faith, they forget to be receivers and instead try to be achievers. They forget that we all are receivers and instead they try to be achievers. In the Garden of Eden, God provided everything Adam and Eve could possibly need. You probably remember the story of the, gar- the Garden of Eden, right? God gave them everything they could need. And instead of feeling gratitude, Adam and Eve felt like, yeah, they still needed to do something on their own, though. Right? They needed to take matters into their own hands, even though God provided everything out of God's hands. Adam and Eve felt like they needed to achieve something apart from God's promise. So that's when they took the, the, just the one fruit God said, don't take that fruit, and they took it. Really, the disciples are doing the same thing here when they ask Jesus, increase our faith. They're asking for a higher score. They're asking to achieve a higher level of faith. If a little bit of faith is good, we, we need a lot of it, Jesus. And that's when Jesus tells them about the mustard seed, this teeny, tiny little seed. And Jesus says, if you just had that amount of faith, you could do anything. It would be all the faith you could ever possibly need. But the problem Jesus is confronting is not just about this issue of how much faith is necessary. It goes deeper. It really goes to a question of identity. Who are we? Who are the disciples? What's our identity? Are we achievers or are we receivers? And then I think because of this identity crisis, Jesus tells the next parable. One of those other hard, difficult parables about a master and a slave, and the slave comes in from plowing and shepherding, which are two common images in the Bible for doing the work of discipleship. And the servant comes in, and Jesus says, do you expect that then the servant would be treated to a meal? No, Jesus says, the servant is a servant. So when he comes in, he serves the meal, which, by the way, is another common image for disciples, servants, servers, table servers. The Greek word is actually deacons. That's what that job is. Jesus is telling them this is the identity of a servant. You're always 
serving. You don't get like some special prize out of serving that maybe you could do a better job serving than someone else so then you could go onto a higher shelf in the pyramid of God's love. No, your identity as a servant is servant. God's identity as Lord is Lord. That's our identity. And Jesus says if you're trying to like take advantage of this servant thing, maybe trying to get ahead, trying to succeed in the way that we talk about success in the world, then you've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten your identity. You've traded in your identity as a receiver of God's love to try and be an achiever of it. Now, it's understandable then and now, I mean, achieving over receiving is really, that's how our society works, right? We are taught from the time we're very young that we've got to be little achievers. We've got to do it. We've got to earn it. And in a lot of things in society, that is very true. But we often turn that then to our relationship with God and try to achieve, achieve. Even Lutherans, now we're supposed to be really good at this, right? The Lutheran tradition is all about saved by grace, not by works, but saved by grace through faith. But even Lutherans, they take that, grab onto that faith part and say, oh yeah, I've got really good faith. <laughs> I've probably got better faith than you. <laughs> all we've done is turn faith into another work, right? Something that has to be achieved. We all do this too. And then sometimes we do it in the church around stewardship season. Stewardship is that time many churches and this church focus maybe once a year in a particular annual appeal, a campaign to talk about the gifts that we have been entrusted with. That's a steward, right? Entrusted with gifts. And then how to use them, how to steward them, to manage the gifts that we have been given. But a lot of times in churches, we go right from, and I've been guilty of this, right from preaching about how we are saved by grace, that there's nothing left that we have to do, but then it kind of rolls right into, but, you know, just to be on the safe side, you better give some money to the church, though, <laughs> which kind of cuts against this saved by grace idea. It's really the wrong way to approach stewardship, to think like, well, we better just give something, though, you know, just to be careful. Because if you think about the identity of a steward, which was another common image in the Bible, in fact, the Gospel of Luke is filled with parables about stewards, managers, if you think about the steward's identity, it doesn't come from something that the steward is doing initially, managing money or managing resources. That's not where the identity of a steward starts, right? You can't just decide to be a steward. I couldn't say, you know what I'd like to do tomorrow? I'd like to be in charge of a gigantic golf course or something. You can't just decide to manage other people's stuff. To be a steward, you must first be entrusted with gifts 
with resources. You can't achieve your way into stewardship. You can only receive your way into stewardship. It's only after you've been entrusted with gifts that you've been, you've received gifts and resources, can you start to think about doing something with it. So I know this could be dangerous for the church's bottom line, but as we start to talk about stewardship over the next few weeks, I want to tell you, if your idea of stewardship, when we talk about sharing our gifts with the church, with others, if your idea of stewardship begins with your decision about how much that you give, I want you to take a step back from that. I'm not telling you not to give, <laughs> but I want, I want you to take a step back from the idea that stewardship is a decision that you make about what to give and step back to see yourself first, not as a, an achiever of stewardship, but as a receiver. I want you to see yourself as a receiver of God's love first. A receiver of gifts and resources and everything that you need. A servant entrusted with everything that you could ever want to be faithful. We all have it. We've all been given this gift already, even if it feels small like a mustard seed. I want you to see yourself as servants, stewards, entrusted with everything you need to be whole. Because there are no special points for chasing, you know, being better than your neighbor at faith or stewardship or how much you can do. There's no special points for being stronger and your faith scoring a higher score on the quiz, how strong is your faith. There's no higher grades that any of us need to earn in our relationship with God. There is only belonging to God. Receiving grace and living with the freedom that comes from faith, even the size of a mustard seed. Amen.